Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We are your fully vaccinated host, and that is what allows us to be back here in the studio without wearing masks. Weston, it's really good to see you Man. right across the table here, my friend. For Well, one, all the Skype episodes that you and I did, all the recordings <laughs> of this, the socially distanced season, uh, coming in here with Larry to do three things and wearing the mask, even when we do final thoughts wearing the mask. Uh, what a relief uh, this has been. And I got to give credit to the wonderful nurses, everybody here from Bellin. Uh, that that took care of me, took care of my family there you go. Uh, over the past month, and just blessed and fortunate. Uh, as we prepare for an NFL draft this year, Mike, as we recap free agency today, uh, just what a quantum leap we've made from last year when I was trying to make sure I had enough bandwidth to be able to stream video <laughs> on my home Wi-Fi so we could do our jobs appropriately. That's right. Well, we really are turning over a new leaf here in 2021. We had new intro music here yes. for Packers Unscripted. First time we've uh, we've changed that in, uh, in quite some time. But as you mentioned, we do have a lot of off-season to recap here for the Packers. So we're going to start there. And later this week, early next week, we will also get into previewing the NFL draft, which uh, as of now is nine days away for the uh, – the first round. But as far as the offseason goes, a handful of guys back with the Green Bay Packers, West, and I'll just rattle off their names here. Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Mercedes Lewis, Tyler Lancaster, Will Redman, all re-sign with the Green Bay Packers. The biggest headline there, though, of those five guys has to be running back Aaron Jones because this is a guy... He wasn't just going to be the top running back available in free agency. He was going to be one of the top free agents across the board in the league available if the Packers had let it get to that point. They did not. Aaron Jones, a huge part of this Matt LaFleur offense, is back in the fold long-term now for Green Bay. So all these years in which we've had free agency, I've always kind of looked at the board, how it was laying out, and, and very very infrequently – is there a moment where it's like, okay, there's a player that you think the Packers will bring back that they just can't get back? Uh, for me, it was Aaron Jones this year. Now, certainly it went right up into the 11th hour, right until the verge of free agency before he agreed to terms. But when you sit back, Mike, you, you look at what he has added to this Packers offense and how he has every single year been in the National Football League, increased his rushing totals, increased his flexibility as a running back. This guy is more than what his position says. He is a playmaker, and he's the second biggest playmaker in this offense, second only to four-time Pro Bowler, now finally an all-pro receiver in Devontae Adams. So to have him back in the multitude of ways that Matt LaFleur utilized him over the past two years, it just made too much sense. Now, I think what the exciting thing is going to be now for the Packers is how do you expand on what this guy does? Because he's in the prime now, 26 right. years young. This is the, where you really expect him to be in the peak of his years. I just think there's a massive opportunity there. He'll have a new running mate in A.J. Dillon. But as far as the face of that Packers backfield, Mike, this is the most stability they've had there going back to really the Amon Green days. Yeah, it's interesting because Aaron Jones was here when Matt LaFleur arrived, obviously, right? And there, there are all kinds of ways in which coaches adjust their scheme and their systems to fit the personnel they have. But that being said, you almost can't 
draw up a running back who fits Matt LaFleur's offense better than Aaron Jones. And that's what I was saying all through last season when everybody was wondering, are the Packers going to be able to bring back Aaron Jones? What are the free agent priorities? And we'll talk about some of the guys who are not back right. uh, in a moment here. And for me, Aaron Jones was the number one priority in terms of re-signing your own free agents because of how he fits LaFleur's offense and what he brings to the table in in all those different skills. He he just he brings more than any other running back you could ask for. And to lose him would have been to lose not just a running back, but but such a big such a big part of the offense. Now as you said, he is in his prime. He is hitting full stride here. So what are the Packers going to do to expand the ways that they use him. We could see him, we've already seen him line up in a lot of different ways, but maybe that starts to expand with A.J. Dillon now coming into his own a little bit more as the second year and the number two running back um, based on the way the roster currently sits. So I'm really curious to see now exactly you know, what the plan is for Aaron Jones moving forward because I think there are some things that maybe we haven't seen yet. Absolutely. And I mean, this has been a guy that's been defying the definition that everybody's put on him and his game since he entered the league back in 2017 as a uh, fifth round draft pick. But here's the other thing I love about him. And, you know, there's a million moments with Aaron Jones. You could say, okay, nobody else can do that. This is a guy, this is special. But if I was ever on the fence about, "Eh, is he going to be back? Are they going to be able to pay him? You know, do you pay a running back? It was that first play, I believe it was the first play, coming out of halftime against the Rams, where he busts the 60-yarder in the playoff game. And and you and I were sitting there watching that, and and I just said to myself, I'm like, there are so few human beings that can just change the complexion of a football game the way that he just did. Right. That, it wasn't, I don't think Wayne was shouting, there's your dagger or anything like that up in the the radio booth, but it really felt like, yeah, yeah. This is the Packers' day. They're going to take this one. And that's that's what he brings, that game-breaking yep. aspect. And then just a quick shout-out to A.J. Dillon. I mean, these are huge shoes for him to fill with Jamal Williams moving on to Detroit. This is a guy that never fumbled during his four years in Green Bay, was a consummate pro in the locker room, was a fantastic pass protector and ball catcher out of the backfield. But A.J. Dillon, when you saw what he did against the Titans last year, it just really opened my eyes to – the possible thunder and lightning combination that him and Aaron Jones can be. I know that's an overplayed cliche, but if you look at that six foot, 247, five foot nine, 208, or whatever Aaron Jones comes in at, those are two drastically different running backs that the Packers could use in tandem. They can alternate. If you add in a number three back through this draft or undrafted free agency, there are so many options here that Green Bay could explore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Maybe an unexpected move in free agency was the re-signing of Kevin King. I think when the Packers did sign Aaron Jones, there was a lot of thought that Kevin King was not a guy the Packers were going to be able to afford. Turns out they did bring him back on a one-year deal, so the Packers will have essentially their top three corners from last year are back intact. You know, the nickel package that they used last year, Jair Alexander, Kevin King, Shannon Sullivan will all be back. And then the other real headline as far as the guys coming back is the big dog. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, 16, this will be his 16th season now in the NFL. And this is really quite a story, Wes, because his first year here, 2018, the last year of the Mike McCarthy era. And after 2018, 
it looked like Mercedes Lewis was heading off into the sunset. It's like, all right, it's time for the next chapter in life. And not only did he decide to come back, play for Matt LaFleur, you know, they've found this role for him both in the offense. He has a tremendous role in the locker room. And now here we are three years later, and he just got another contract, and he's still going. And you know this coaching staff, all these guys on this roster are thrilled that the big dog is back for another go. You know what? He reminds me of who he reminds me of. Do you remember Jawan Howard during his final years in the NBA? Sure. When he went to Miami Heat, and he was a big part of what they did there. He wasn't a guy that was playing 30 minutes a night anymore, but he was a great locker room presence, a great leader. Obviously, he's turned into a phenomenal college coach. Sure. But he also gave them important minutes when he needed them. It wasn't like, okay, I'm not going to be able to give you 30 anymore, but I'm going to give you 11 good minutes here and there when, when I'm needed. And that's what Lewis reminds me of. If you want to talk about any profession – doesn't have to be the National Football League. Could be your even your normal job. How do you last? How do you find ways to be able to get up in the morning and still enjoy what you're doing? You have to evolve. You have to reinvent yourself. You have to set new goals. That's what I love about Mercedes Lewis. What is the one thread since he was drafted in the first round in 2006? He is a huge human being that is a willing blocker. If he ate a couple too many Big Macs on a certain week, <laughs> this guy could be a tackle in this league. I mean, he's that big yeah. of a guy. Yeah. But he was also an incredibly athletic and gifted individual in his prime. It's why he was able to go to a Pro Bowl in 2010 and caught 700 receiving yards, 55 passes. But now he's older, 36 range. You have to adapt your game, and he has done that. And the best part about it. He is, an, he is playing a position, other than quarterback or kicker, where they're just tr- constantly trying to replace tight ends in this league. Guys come, guys go. There's no replacing Mercedes Lewis. Whenever he decides to move on, you're not just going to be able to say, okay, well, this six foot six, 270-pound guy, he's going to be the next guy. You have to have a certain skill set that matches up with his physical attributes. Lewis brings that. And by the way, much like some of these guys that you've seen over the years, he's still chasing that Super Bowl ring. He's still chasing that Super Bowl appearance. And he feels like this is the place to get that done. Yeah, no question about it. Well, as far as the Packers players who are not back, who have signed elsewhere, Corey Lindsley, Jamal Williams, Tim Boyle, Lane Taylor, and Montrevious Adams. And we talked a little bit already. I think I want to start here with regard to the offensive line. Corey Lindsley and Lane Taylor both gone. We know David Bakhtiari is working on the rehab from the ACL injury. Everybody's trying to figure out what what's the Packers offensive line going to look like in week one. You know, does Elton Jenkins play center and take over for Lindsley? Does Jenkins play left tackle? Does Billy Turner play left tackle and Jenkins, you know, stay where he is and you put somebody else at right tackle? The most important thing, I think, moving forward here for the Packers is they have options because you have versatile players. And you also have a draft coming up where there's a lot of depth at offensive tackle in this draft based on what the analysts are saying. You would think the Packers are going to potentially make a significant draft investment there at that position. So we're a long way from knowing what the Packers' offensive line is going to look like in Week 1. But it is going to look a little bit different in 2021. Yeah, because for the first time, really, since J.C. Treader was drafted, the Packers don't have like a, a center prospect, a bona fide guy that's like, okay, that's who we want snapping to Aaron Rodgers. Now, the coaches might know that behind the scenes, 
But as far as how we're approaching the season, we, we don't know which direction that's going to go. I made my two cents felt in inbox. You know, I would think even if David Bakhtiari is ready, the Packers are going to want to be cautious with him. They're going to want to no err on the side of caution, as I've no continually said, because you know the way that Bakhtiari's built, cut from that same cloth as Brian Balaga. He's going to want to be out there as soon as possible. But there is, again, you have to see the forest for the trees here. Let's say they just take the cautious approach there with Bakhtiari. To me, after seeing what he did last year, I think Elton Jenkins is a perfect fit to, to be able to buy you time there at left tackle. I really, truly believe this, Mike. I think if Billy Turner is just playing right tackle, I honestly believe he could be an all-pro player in this league. I saw that last year. I had some questions when he came in at right guard. Didn't quite look like his natural position. But when they left him at right tackle once he settled into that job last year, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who did their job better, I believe. I think yeah. he has the athleticism for it, the footwork, and he's intelligent. From there, I think that lines up Lucas Patrick to be at center. I think you have you know, John Runyon as a guard prospect. And the other guy not to forget about in this equation, Simon Stepanek. Yeah. Now, he missed all last year because of that coming off the ACL injury at Indiana. you got to remember, this kid put up 37 bench reps at the Combine. That's uh, with, with with a bum knee. With a bum knee. Yeah. That is the most of anyone in the modern era that the Packers have drafted. That was more than Corey Lindsley. That was more than, although it wasn't at the Combine, Tyler Lancaster. This guy is a strong dude. So that's a great starting point for where you're at. And then you factor in the, the Packers have had a really good track record of drafting offensive linemen early, drafting them high, and having them make an instant impact. So I've said this over and over again. I mentioned it during our offseason recap show at Larry. To me, I don't know if it's the first round, second, whenever. You pick the best offensive lineman possible. You let him compete for a job at a specific position and let the rest of the dominoes fall from there because the versatility of that group can be a real strength. Yeah, and what I said in Insider Inbox the other day, what I think really ultimately is going to be the question that the Packers coaches face Assuming David Bakhtiari is not lining up at left tackle in week one and he needs some more time to be 100% ready. The question that's going to be facing the Packers coaching staff is for week one, do you focus on getting your five best offensive linemen out there? Yeah. Or how much do you consider the, the whole continuity aspect of things? Because if Elton Jenkins start the, starts the season at left tackle – presumably he's not going to play left tackle all season. Right. When Bakhtiari is ready, he goes there, and then Jenkins shifts, and then you're moving things around at some point after the season starts. So is, is it about the five best, or is it about the, the least disruption when yes. Bakhtiari comes back? I think that's the question that the Packers coaches have to answer. I'm not sure what their answer is going to be necessarily. Based on what we saw last year, the versatility of players, moving guys around, it seemed the overwhelming philosophy was – with what we've got to deal with, we're putting our best five guys yes. out there in front of yep. Aaron Rodgers. I think that's the way they're going to go. But I just throw it out there that the continuity part of things over the course of now a 17-game season, it's something that I think you at least have to consider. Yeah, and behind the scenes, I mean, the Packers are going to get David Bakhtiari back at some point. Right. Early, middle, whenever. He's going to be back, and you're going to have the best left tackle in football to play off of. The question, the first thing that the coaches are going to have to answer, again, in the meetings that you and I will not be privy to, Zoom <laughs> meetings that we will not have a login for, right. <laughs> is going to be what do you do with Elton Jenkins? Because well, the reason I mentioned him at left tackle is because the one thing that Elton proved to me last year, it doesn't matter where you play him, it doesn't matter how many snaps he gets, he's going to perform well. 
in that duty, and it doesn't matter what the competition is. This is a guy that started the season at right tackle because of the injury questions there. He stepped in at center for three weeks, Mike. Aaron Rodgers has basically had the same two centers for the past eight years. When you look at bulk of that being Corey Lindsley and a little bit of it being J.C. Treader, Elton Jenkins went in there and it was like not a step was missed. And this is, by the way, subbing in for an all-pro center who was deemed by the Associated Press to be the best center in football last year. Right. So that, that's why I just feel like it's such a luxury that Green Bay has right now. And then, and then again, to Lucas Patrick's, Lucas Patrick's credit, can play all three of the interior positions. Billy Turner can play everywhere as well. A lot of different potential domino combinations here for Green Bay. Yeah. And quickly, before we move on to some other offseason news, uh, Jamal Williams, Tim Boyle, both going to yeah. the division rival Detroit Lions. Essentially what that does, we already talked about Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon as the 1-2 at running back. The Packers obviously have Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love as the 1-2 at quarterback. But now the number three spot, at both of those positions is essentially wide open for the Packers. They need a number three quarterback. Yep. Will they use a late round draft pick on one? Will they go the undrafted route as they did with when they brought Tim Boyle in a few years ago? As far as running back, you have a handful of candidates on the roster for the number three running back, but maybe you also draft one at some point yep. here in a week and a half to add to that competition to see who's going to be that number three behind Jones and Dylan. So some interesting things to watch here at those two positions as uh, as a couple of uh, very reliable guys uh, end up going to a division rival in free agency. First and foremost, to tip my cap to the Lions, I thought those were two of the best signings uh, that have been made in the NFC, not just the division. Uh, this offseason. And kind of signings that went under the radar, frankly, went in, under the in radar. terms of the national in terms of the national media. But but yeah, I, I agree with you. I think those I think those are really, really good pickups for the Detroit Lions with what they're trying to do over yeah, there. Yeah, in the, the the contract that Jamal Williams got reportedly, I mean just what an incredible deal and savings that is for Detroit. And I've said this time and time again and I'll say it once more. I know DeAndre Swift's there, I know all these other things. My advice to the Detroit Lions is Make Jamal Williams, give him a, a good opportunity to be your lead back next year. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. And as far as Tim Boyle, everyone knows my feelings about Tim Boyle. <laughs> what an amazing story he's been. But I saw that one blogger, one, one fan site for the Lions was saying, is Jared Goff the best quarterback now in the NFC North? And obviously they're just, you know, it's all tongue-in-cheek. I get that. But yeah. the Lions better make sure that he's their best quarterback on the roster. Because I, I still, <laughs> I, I've said it time and time again, I think Tim Boyle, is going to open some eyes. He has the arm. He has the size. He has everything you look for in an NFL quarterback. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, quickly here, Wes, some sponsor business. Sirius XM NFL Radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute NFL news that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. All right, before we go, I do want to talk about the two big changes on the coaching staff here for the Packers. Two new coordinators, Joe Barry, brought in as defensive coordinator to replace Mike Pettin, and Mo Drayton promoted from special teams assistant to special teams coordinator to replace Sean Meninga. Just uh, your initial impressions here of these moves and, uh, and when they were introduced to the Green Bay media. Yeah, and it was funny. I was driving through, like, northern Wisconsin, <laughs> in like like north of Rhinelander. Oh, I was, was that the day you went up to Superior? Yeah, I was your, in the middle of nowhere. You took your little road trip? Yeah, yeah. so 
I, but I made it a point. Mike was being very nice. The age of Zoom, you have to take advantage of the fact that we can do all this stuff remotely. Mike handled all the coverage of the coaches that day, but I still listened. I, I stopped over at a Culver's in Rhinelander so I could start listening to Joe Barry. There we go. Whole and, country. Yeah, yeah. And I was so impressed, not only by him and how he spoke and, and all those things, but when you take a step back and you look at his resume, don't look at just the defensive coordinator stints. Look at his entire resume, working with Monty Kiffin. His, you know, his work with, I know it's his father-in-law, but I, I've always had an immense respect for Rod Marinelli. I, you've heard me talk about it, the way he renovated Dallas's defense there in the 2010s. Uh, and then obviously now the, the scheme and system of defense that they've been running in, in L.A. when it was Wade Phillips and now obviously uh, the transition uh, this past year. There is such a unique blend of philosophies that have been incorporated into Barry's in his mind. Now, he's going to be his own man. He's going to be his own coach. But when you are immersed in that type of not only that scheme, but the amount of talent he's been around, I, I just I think when you sit back and you look at where this talent level is at for Green Bay, again, a top 10 defense last season, first time they've done that since the Super Bowl year in 2010. There's just, I think the possibilities are endless. I'm real. I, I, we all know what the pieces are going to be for the Packers defense. Right. How do you move them? How do you get the most out of them? How are you able to get, you know, the Smith Bros going back again? What is the next step for Jair Alexander on the outside? Darnell Savage. What kind of weapon can this guy be? And Mr. Consistency, Adrian Amos. There are just, I, I think the possibilities are endless for that defense. Yeah. I. As I've been saying, I, I don't see this as something that's like a major defensive overhaul. No, that's it not wasn't. To, they kept the same coaching staff. Yeah, that's not to say that that's not to say the defense is going to look exactly the same under Joe Barry. But this is not something where we're going to be spending the off season and training camp talking a lot. At least I don't think we're going to be talking a lot about this this transition to the new playbook and everything like that. Yes, there are going to be some things that are different, but this is not going to be some completely different scheme. One thing that I noticed about Joe Barry, and he mentioned it when he spoke with the Green Bay media, and, and it's kind of what I wrote about that day, is that you, you, look at, you look at his track record. This is a guy who's been everywhere in the NFL from the penthouse to the outhouse. He's been on a coaching staff that won a Super Bowl. He's been on a coaching staff that lost every single game during a season. And but we're undefeated in the preseason. <laughs> But to his to his credit, he you know he's not he's not dodging the the failures that he's had along the way, and he's like, hey, those failures, those rough moments are what made me a better coach. Yes, going to Super Bowls, which he's been to a couple, he's won one. Those are the things that you enjoy. Those yep. are those are the ones that are really going to be the you know the lasting memories. But the the moments that make you a better coach are when things don't go well in this league, yep. and you've you've got to you've got to figure it out. And so I was, I I was really interested to hear what he had to say about that because he wasn't trying to dodge, you know, the the downtimes in Detroit and Washington when he was when he was uh, on the defensive staff was the defensive coordinator well, there. And as he said, I'm proud of my scars. I love that line. That was the line yeah. of the press conference. I know everybody pulled that out as the top quote. It right. was true. But again, if you want to take a step back, if you really want to perseverate about the defensive coordinator stints, look at the talent level. Look at how many pro bowlers were on those teams in Detroit. Look at what he was dealing with in Washington. This is a new agenda. He has been given a five-course dinner that he's going to be sitting in front of now. And it's your opportunity to finally go to work. Yeah, and as far as Drayton, that special teams coordinator, this is an, this this is this is almost just as big a hire as defensive coordinator with 
as much as the Packers struggled on special teams a year ago, not really any return game to speak of, too many explosive plays in the, in the return game the other way. Mo Drayton has a lot of work to do. This is in some senses a risky hire for Matt LaFleur because he promoted somebody from within who was part of the struggles last year in the 2020 season. Instead of going outside and bringing somebody in to, to completely start over. So there's a lot of people questioning that decision. I'll just, I'll just say this, and I said this in Insider Inbox as well. Nobody was doing, nationally speaking, fan base speaking, nobody was doing a bunch of cartwheels when Nathaniel Hackett was the off, became the offensive coordinator, when Adam Stenovich became the offensive line coach. Look at what those guys have done now on Matt LaFleur's staff, guys that he had some connections with that he, that he knew. Okay, Matt LaFleur worked with Joe Barry with the Rams. He's seen Mo Drayton up close the last couple years as he was um, the assistant on special teams. We just we have to we have to give Matt LaFleur's eye for coaching talent, you know, a chance here to see to see if he's right before we start, you know, making a whole bunch of judgments yeah. about these hires that again, nobody nobody was jumping up and down about Joe Barry and Mo Drayton, but you know, he's had hires like that. He's had hires in the past that didn't necessarily get everybody outside the building super excited. But look how they work. And out. especially when they hired Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah. Everything, for as much as he accomplished in Jacksonville, the way things ended there, there were some questions about putting him into that role. He's been an all star hire. He was a guy that had an opportunity to get an interview as a head coach this offseason. That's where right. he's at now. The thing I like the most, though, about the special teams is yes, it's a coach that has been on staff. But you heard Matt LaFleur talk about it. And again, this is no disrespect to Sean Menninga, but you could almost hear in his words when he was addressing the media that this is a guy I wish I would have known more about, that being uh, Mo Drayton, when he hired for the coordinator spot the first time. He knew he was talented. He knew he's someone that was held in higher guard in, this, in the building, but wasn't sure if he was ready for that head spot. He feels like that's the spot he's in now. And even more than that, Mike, right now, Green Bay Packers have six specialists on this offseason roster. You have to imagine there's going to be a lot of competition, not only for that, for the return jobs, for the four core jobs. They brought back Will Redmond. You have, you know, Oren Burks and Ty Summers coming back. They want to build a basis there, and I think this is an important time to do it because I would believe, I still think we're going to end up seeing this expanded practice squad stick around even past COVID. Yeah. You're going to be able to pull players. You're going to be able to do a little bit more maneuvering than in the past. If you can find players, I really truly believe this, find a core group that then you can move pieces around as you need to, that is going to be key because as, as Drayton said, you look back to the, the Nolan Cromwell days, the Mike Stock days, he took the right approach in being reflective on what the history of special teams is in Green Bay yeah. and wanting to pay homage to that and also bring some of those values back now as they look to turn this thing around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, we're going to call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. In our next couple of episodes, we will look a little more closely at the draft and, and get into the draft preview as things uh, really ramp up and get close here. But for now, thank you for tuning in, everybody. We appreciate it. We really appreciate being back here in the studio. Nice studio. Us. This is nice. We will see you next time.